Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You can do something that sounds and looks so spiritual and is wrong. Got a pen? Let me give you four reasons why calling a fast is wrong. Number one, it was wrong because Saul's focus was wrong. Please look at verse 24 again. Nobody eat, he said, until I have taken vengeance on my enemies. Saul's focus isn't on the Lord. It isn't on the people. It's on himself. We've said it before. Saul's Achilles heel is pride. It's a characteristic of Saul's life. Saul was not humble. The focus is on Saul. There's problems with this. Number one, the battle isn't Saul's, it's the Lord's. The enemies aren't Saul's enemies, they're the Lord's enemies. Are you listening? When you're fighting for the Lord, you aren't being avenged. It's the Lord in his glory that's being avenged. And if this is the way that Saul feels, then he should take vengeance on his enemies, that he should take vengeance on his enemies, then why doesn't he just fast for himself? Saul's desire is not the glory of the Lord. It's the glory of Saul. Learn something. Even in the midst of doing something so spiritual, your focus can still be on yourself. I have seen it a hundred times in churches, and so have many of you, where there is a call. You've been in a church where there was a call by the leadership that we're all going to fast as a church. And maybe the Lord put that burden on your heart. I'm not saying it never happens that the Lord doesn't put it on the pastor's heart, but more often than not, the Lord puts that burden on your heart, on my heart. And oftentimes in the ministry, I'm telling you this is the way it goes. Oftentimes when the Lord puts a burden on the pastor's heart, he mistakes it to mean that this is something that God wants all the people to do. When in fact, God wants you to do it. So then he comes to the pulpit and he says, well, you know, we're all going to fast. Yep, we're all going to fast and and we're all going to commit this time to the Lord. And what happens is the focus is many times to show how spiritual you are. The second reason the command to fast was wrong was because his motive was wrong. Not only was his focus wrong, his motive was wrong. I believe two things was motivating Saul. Last week we saw Jonathan, his son, had pushed back the Philistine army. And this was a great victory for Israel. And Saul said in chapter 14, verse 18, you can peek there if you like, bring me the Ark of the Covenant. Listen, it wasn't time for a prayer meeting. It was time to mount up on the horse and grab your garden tools and farm equipment because that's what the weapons that Israel had. Y'all listen to me? The weapons that Israel had to go to battle, I told you they were worshipers, not warriors. And the Philistines controlled people's ability 
to make weapons. So nobody had any weapons. Actually, we learned from chapter 13 that it was Saul and Jonathan were the only two that had weapons among all of Israel at that time. So it wasn't time for them to, you know, to have a prayer meeting. It was time for them to grab their garden tools and their farm equipment and chase those Philistines and kill as many as they could. Saul is motivated by false spirituality. Saul was so insecure, he wanted people to see how spiritual he was. So he says, bring the ark and let's pray. You know, oftentimes I find people who want to always pray in front of other people have some insecurity problems. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with always, nothing wrong with wanting to pray. Nothing wrong with always wanting to pray. But when you always want to pray, when people are around, don't we all know people like that? Every time, you know, something, oh man, I hit my foot, my big toe is aching. Oh, let's have a prayer. Come on. Let's have a prayer. You know, the one eyes, who's listening? Father, touch that toe. Maybe that's just me. Number three, it was wrong because his sense of authority was wrong. What do you mean, Rodney? Nowhere did Saul have the authority to pronounce a curse on people. If anybody had the authority, it would have been, take a guess, y'all, Samuel, not Saul. Samuel is a spiritual leader. Saul is a national kingly leader. And for that matter, if there was someone calling for a fast, it should have been Samuel. Saul doesn't mind stepping into Samuel's sandals, obviously. He's taking a spiritual authority, and that's wrong. Number four, commanding the fast was wrong because the punishment was wrong, and it wasn't equal to the offense. It was a little heavy-handed, don't you think? If you eat any food, you're cursed and you're going to die. If Saul had said, listen, I'm going to fast, and if anyone wants to join me, great. If Saul had made this fast a voluntary fast, he still would have been out of order, but at least a better example and more honoring toward God. I can't think in all the years, actually I was sitting thinking today, And I can't think in all of the 18 years that I've passed through this church that I've ever stood here and said, we're all going to fast. I can't really think of, I can't remember a time I've ever done that. I remember plenty of times when the Lord said, Rodney, I want you to fast from 8 to 12. Uh, Rodney, I want you to fast breakfast, breakfast and lunch. I want you to fast breakfast and lunch and dinner. I'm like, God, you sure we want dinner? Can we do breakfast and lunch? Come on. Nope, dinner. All right. For me, but for me to come to the pulpit and say God wants all of us to fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, well, that's a whole different story. You see what I mean? Sometimes we, we get that confused. Now, it's fine if you say, uh, you know, I feel like the Lord's telling me to fast. And if I were to come to the pulpit and say, I feel like the Lord showed me, telling me to fast. And hey, if any of you guys want to join me, that's great. I'm going to be fasting from this time to that time. That might be okay. But to command a fast and demand a fast and then to tag a curse onto it, Saul, what is wrong with you? Are y'all getting this? There's a problem here. We've seen it many times in churches. 
Uh-huh. We've all gone to churches where they'll say, well, you know, we're all going to read the one-year Bible. Every, we're, gonna, we're all going to go through the one-year Bible every day. And again, guys, nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. What is wrong is when we begin to impose that which God is showing us to do on other people. And then if they don't do it, then you people or you're going to be cursed. That's where the problem comes in. So we're going to do the one-year Bible, and this is what God is showing me, and we're all going to take an oath, and because nobody wants to look unspiritual, everybody takes the oath. You don't have to take an oath before the Lord. God is not into vows. Listen, you need to write that down. God is not into vows, and God is not into oaths. God would rather you be motivated from your heart. And if it isn't in your heart to put yourself under an oath, it won't do any good for someone to force you to be under one. Now you can clap your hands. Now you can, because that's true. Saul thought he did something real spiritual, didn't he? I got the whole nation to fast. No, you're forcing them and manipulating them into fasting. And not only that, but your timing is all wrong. On the day that you're going to fight the Philistines in a hand-to-hand combat, on that day, you need all the strength you can get. You decide it's time to fast. Listen, when you're in warfare, you don't need to be distracted by a growling stomach. (laughs) Write that down. I don't need to be distracted by a growling stomach. And you know how it is. When you fast, if you've ever fasted, I don't know if you have or you haven't, but if you ever fasted, you know how it is. Those first couple of four hours around, you know, 10 o'clock, you're feeling great. You feel spiritual. You feel awesome. You're like, ooh, yes, praise the Lord. I'm glowing. You're levitating. You are like, oh, yes, this is so awesome. I feel so close to God. Around 10. <laughs> But then you get to around one o'clock and you're a flesh monster and you tell me, well, don't talk to me. Come on, y'all say amen. I'm not, I'm not going to point you out. I just want you to say amen. That's it. And then you get home and then now it's dinner time and you get home and the refrigerator starts talking to you. Yes. You walk by the refrigerator Who, me? (laughs) Go ahead, open me. (laughs) I'm just looking. I'm on a fast. Now you're talking in the refrigerator. You're crazy. Look! (laughs) Frigidaire. (laughs) I'm on a fast here. You know how it goes. That's how it goes. I mean, you know, and then Satan starts to play on that, and it it just goes downhill from there. In our text, the troops are out reconning the area. Verse 25, please look at it. Some of the men come upon some honey. There was honey on the ground. There was honey dripping from the trees. Isn't that torture? There's honey everywhere, and I ain't talking about your wife. I'm talking about honey, honey. Honey, honey, honey is everywhere, honey, honey, honey. I like saying honey. It feels fun. Honey is everywhere, and they're probably exhausted, and they need that sugar rush. That honey look like, y'all said that all at one time, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. 
That honey looked like a can of Red Bull to them. And this was God providing, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. This was God providing the honey for them. But because some leader is trying to look spiritual and take advantage, they can't take advantage of the provision of the Lord. Leadership is no joke. To whom much is given, much is required. So you making all these rules and regulations and legalisms as your trip. Telling other people, well, you ought to be doing this. Well, you ought to be doing that. Well, you ought to be wearing this. Well, you ought to be wearing that. Well, you ought to be bald head. Well, you need to cut your hair. Well, you need to make it longer. Well, you need to wear a suit and tie to church. Well, you know, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't have that at this church. And we don't have that at this church. We have all these rules in which, and God has nothing to do with any of this. And we're imposing burdens on people that they, Jesus said to the Pharisees, that you yourselves cannot bear. And that's what Saul is doing. They can't take advantage of the blessings of God because Saul put them under a curse, an oath. In verse 27, Jonathan had not heard about what his father said. Think about that. Saul was putting the people under legalism. His son Jonathan's out there fighting the Philistines. Jonathan wasn't there when dad gave the order not to eat. So Jonathan put his stick out and ate some of the honey. And he probably got back. He's looking at everybody. They're looking emaciated and tired and, and like they need a can of monster energy. And then and, and Jonathan looks at them and goes, what is wrong with y'all? Y'all look horrible. Y'all need some honey. <laughs> he wasn't there. He wouldn't know that. But there was a revelation from God. You know, y'all need some honey or y'all need something. Why is nobody eating? And they probably told Jonathan. And Jonathan said, listen, I wasn't here. I didn't hear that. So I'm eating. <laughs> he said that to y'all. He didn't say that to me. I didn't hear that. Okay. And y'all didn't tell me. Well, look at verse 28. <laughs> One of the people said, Jonathan, your dad said we can't eat. And Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. I ate and I'm looking better. Jonathan said, look, if the people had eaten in verse 30, look at it. They would have had energy to go after those Philistines and there would have been a greater slaughter. Verse 31, because the people hadn't eaten, the people are weary. And on a day when he and, and the people should be strong, they were weak because they had been put under the bondage of legalism. And I think of honey, and I can't help but think of Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. And I have it for you on the screen. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. Come on, y'all, too quiet for me. Read it with me. The law of the Lord is perfect. Everybody, please read it with me. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clear. 
clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward in keeping God's law. Notice Jonathan ate of the honey, and his eyes were enlightened, and he was revived. Jonathan probably held to what that great philosopher Winnie the Pooh said. He said, the only reason for being a bee that I know of is to make honey. And the only reason for making honey is so I can eat it. Great words of wisdom from Winnie the Pooh. And I've learned this. In the middle of this Christian battle, let's make application. In the middle of this Christian battle, you should take the time to taste the honey of the word and allow God's word to get in you and your eyes will be enlightened and you will feel revived. I remember when I was stationed at uh, Camp Pendleton and, uh, and every afternoon, I, I remember I, I had just left the Kojic Church, uh, Church of God in Christ. And um, I uh, had heard the teaching of the Word of God, and then I learned of Pastor Chuck Smith being on the radio every day at 12 o'clock. And he had been on the radio every day at 12 o'clock for 20 years, I think. And uh, so I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know who Matthew was, who Mark was, I knew nothing about the Bible. And keep in mind, I went to Catholic school all my life, and I knew nothing about the Bible. So I, every afternoon, I would take the time to go and taste the honey. Uh, some of my best time of fellowship was in my Volkswagen minivan. Y'all remember the Volkswagen minivan? It was gray, we had windows tinted, I don't care what y'all say, that van was hot. <laughs> that van was hot. Remember the van? It was square. And it was, uh, see, y'all think it's corny now, but back then it was, it was really nice. And we had a nice one. It was nice. It was gray, and, and it was big. And I used to take my lunch every day, and I did this every day for three years. I would take my lunch at 12 o'clock, get in the van, get my Bible, my pen, and my pad, and listen to Pastor Chuck Smith, and I went through the book of Romans with Pastor Chuck Smith on the radio, and that's where I started learning the Bible. And that's where, and, and then what I would do, that would do that on a Tuesday, and then this guy I had led to the Lord named Anthony Ruby. We had a Bible study and, on Thursday, and I would basically just tell him what Pastor Chuck just told me on Tuesday. <laughs> and he thought I was fantastic. <laughs> And I never told him I wasn't. <laughs> he thought I was so smart. And he was like, oh, you are just a, a biblical genius. I'm like, well. Some of us have to be. <laughs> but I just remember those days. And, you know, I, I just remember my eyes were enlightened and I felt energized 
because I had taken the time to taste the honey of the word of God. Well, notice in verse 27 through 29, we got to move forward, tells us that Jonathan ate the honey and his countenance was brightened. That honey was like a power bar, like a, you know, fuel gel, like an energy drink. And because when he ate, he felt better, he said, my father has troubled the land. Because of Saul's own legalism, he hindered the people from tasting the honey. And the men are weak and their countenance is down and they're exhausted and they're worn out and they can't fight. And you know what? That's what legalism actually does. It causes you to be weak. It causes you to be worn out trying to do. Am I right about it? Trying to be good enough, worthy enough, performance-based relationship with God. And when you function from the place of legalism, what happens in the end is you find yourself with less. Israel has less victory over the Philistines because the men didn't have the strength to finish the job. As a matter of fact, legalism causes you to sin. Look at verse 31. The people began to eat the animals with the blood. Listen, this is a sin because the law of Moses said the people were not to eat meat without it being properly drained. And when it was properly drained, y'all listening? When it was properly drained, then it was kosher. It was to be butchered and then properly drained. And then they were to eat it in a kosher way from Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 23 through 25. Only be sure, God said, that you do not eat the blood for the blood is the life. You may not eat the life with the meat. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it on the earth like water. You shall not eat it that it may go well with you and your children after you when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. The blood of a man or an animal is a picture of life. God didn't want Israel to eat meat that had not been properly bled. When the meat was properly bled again, then it was kosher. And then they were able to take the blood. They were supposed to take the blood and pour it out on the ground. And the pouring of the blood on the ground, listen, was symbolic that life belongs to God and life is going back to God. So again, legalism causes you to sin against God. The people were so hungry from the battle, they said, forget all that draining stuff. And they ate the meat with the blood. And when they did that, they sinned against God. Did you get that? Because they were keeping Saul's silly legalistic rule, it caused them to forsake the clear command of God to keep man's commandment. And that's exactly what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the traditions of men washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do all too well. You reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Preachers and pulpits teach legalism because they're afraid to teach grace. Because they say teaching grace will lead people into sin. And they actually call teaching grace greasy grace. You ever heard that term? Greasy grace, they call it, or cheap grace. People teach cheap grace, they say, or people teach greasy grace. Interesting, Jesus wasn't afraid to teach grace to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus wasn't afraid to teach grace. They say if you teach grace that 
they are under, that people are under grace, then people will go out and sin it up. Actually, the opposite is true. If you give people a proper understanding of God's grace, they won't go out and sin it up. They'll go love the Lord more. It's legalism that leads people into sinning it up. Why? Because legalism, listen, provokes rebellion. Legalism provokes rebellion. And it leads us into pride. Whenever you teach grace, people are set free. Free from performance, free from expectation of others, free from the dominion and domination of Satan. We're free from the power and the penalty of sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, memory verse. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That's an awesome verse, Galatians 5, 1. It's an awesome verse that we need to remember and highlight and tattoo to your person. The word stand fast means take a stand and don't let anybody push you into legalism because Christ has made us free. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.